Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another crazy weekend as Arsenal create a fantastic comeback against West Ham. PSG go top of the table. Barcelona absolutely destroy Real Sociedad and Serginho Dest scores himself. We got games from England, the Bundesliga. Juventus loses to Benevento so much. Heath Pierce joins me today. Que golazo. Weekend recap begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kegolasso, our weekend recap with my man Heath Pierce. HP, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Thank you for asking. Um, wow, that's weird. Sorry, I think I just got a weird sound out of this mic. Did something weird. <laughs> Do you have uh, a poltergeist, Heath? Yeah, it went, it went like it was like wavy, you know, <laughs> nice wavy vibes. I'm, I'm you know why the mic is saying talk about Arsenal? Heath. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've, 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 I've uh said it so many times into this mic today just practicing like just ask about arsenal i'm coming i'm coming in hot uh but no i'm good man how are you i'm good i'm good uh well i mean i'm not that great villa just lost but we'll talk about that in a second uh welcome everybody weekend recap uh heath pierce and yours truly and we'll do our very best to try and uh discuss what happened in the weekend basically the last domestic uh, matches before the international break and we'll begin in england heath pierce i'll just do a quick uh Recap of what went on over there in Blighty. It was FA Cup slash a few games in the Premier League. So let's begin in the FA Cup for a second here. Um, Chelsea won 2 nothing against Sheffield United. Uh, Bournemouth lost 3 nothing to Southampton. We got Man City, uh, quite convincing to be honest, just doing their thing against Everton, 2 nothing. And the last game of the weekend in the FA Cup where Leicester City Leicester City, Iniacho doing his thing, probably his best uh, form right now with Leicester, beating Manchester United 3-1. Anything that uh, stuck out for me from the FA Cup this weekend? Yeah, I think you're spot on with City there, so I don't want to touch on that too much just because it was a, just a City type of win, right? They never really felt out of it, they, they and you could just tell that it was eventually they were going to win uh, this game. But for me, it's, it's, it's Man United going out of the FA Cup. I think they're... You know, Jimmy said it a lot of times in terms of how do we how do we define, by the way, we're missing Jimmy today. I uh, hope he's doing well, but I don't miss him because that means more words for you and I. You know what I mean? Not, we don't have to share the love. But m- m- he mentioned that like to define a successful season for Manchester United would be to secure a, a trophy. Right. And now they're out of one more competition. Uh, they're still in the Europa League. I think they're still the best chance, uh, probably the, the the favorite to win the Europa League with maybe Arsenal second, Ajax and Roma uh, third and fourth in terms of chances to win. Uh, but now they're out of this and and out of this league. And, and so I'm starting to look at sort of how do you finish the season on a strong note? Is it only winning the Europa League or is a second place finish good enough? And I'm, 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 I guess I, I'm, I'm asking you, uh, Luis, through that lens, like how do you define, how, how are we redefining that success? Because, you know, they were beaten pretty, pretty handily by, by Leicester at home. No, it's a really good question. And actually, you talk about, 
you know, have the best way to define Manchester United this season. And honestly, I think I tweeted it right after the game. I like, this is why we've been so like hesitant to really give full credit to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, this sort of Jekyll and Hyde performances. Uh, Fred is so good at what he's good at and he's so bad at what he's bad at. And today he showed it, that giveaway um, in the opening goal as well. But it's just... I mean, listen, like part of it is, well, you know, maybe all that emotion and physicality and resiliency was done against AC Milan, that this FA Cup game against Leicester City, who's a very good team and is looking for their own objectives by themselves, are looking to do their own thing, maybe came a little too soon, right? Uh, So playing in this game might have been, but then again, I think that's a poor excuse. This is Manchester United. You're a deep enough squad. You should be able to at least not do silly things like concede silly goals. And that's what I saw today. The the Yuri Tillemans goal was ridiculous. He basically just strolled by into Manchester United's box and took his shot. It was kind of ridiculous. And and to your point, you know, uh, hold on to that top four. And if you want any kind of silverware now, you really just have to hope for the Europa League. So I'm still... Not sure. I was reading a trend here, Heath, uh, or, or a hashtag on uh, right after the game, Ole out. And I think, that's a, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I think that's a little bit ridiculous, but I understand the frustration because I still I'm trying to figure out what kind of manager you are. If you finish in the top four, second to Man City in the Premier League, fair enough. If you win the Europa League title, I think, yes, a successful season. But if you don't do that, where do we go here? Back to square one. Well, listen, if you if you took all that away, right? Say they were out of the FA Cup early in the year and they're out of Europa League early in the year, out of Europe, and they were going to finish second only to Manchester City, you would say that is a great season for anybody, right? Obviously, yes. Manchester United comes with a lot of contingencies. They're expected to win trophies. But then when you get to this point, and the reason why I see and I can understand people's frustration with Ole is that there's now four teams left in the semifinals of the FA Cup. And why shouldn't it be a Manchester United, right? Europa League, yeah, it's 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 complicated for them, but but I still think they're favorites. They're still by far the best team in in the tournament and and, and the most consistent team in the tournament. Roma has has fallen off some in the league. Um, Ajax, yeah, they're cruising in their domestic campaign, but it's still Ajax. They're still young. They're still vulnerable. And so when you look at and then Arsenal or Arsenal, right? You don't know what you're going to get from them. So when you look. And, and you, you stop and say, okay, in March, we could be in the semifinals of the FA Cup. We can be the favorite to win the Europa League and, and playing well. And we can finish second in, in the Premier League. You start to feel a little bit more spoiled, right? As opposed to going like, well, second place would probably be pretty good for United in a year like, I don't mean a year like this, but in the current state of the Manchester United, we know it. And so it's hard to balance that out. And I know often we talk about, oh, fatigue or player rotation, or now they only have to focus on this competition. No player ever goes into a loss after getting knocked out of the FA Cup and go, well, at least we only have two things to worry about now. Like, that's the that's what the club does. That's what the staff does. That's what the fans are able to wrap their head around. But the players are disappointed, right? They're going to be disappointed after today. They're not going to be like, well, we only have two things left, so now we don't have to worry. You have to protect the players from themselves because a player will want to compete in every single competition they can and play every game that they can. So it's really, it's always an interesting argument. Um, And fatigue is a real thing, but I just feel they were this far along. Why not go after those three things, which all seemed manageable, right? None of them were like winning the Europa league. Isn't like winning the champions league, winning, winning the FA cup. Isn't, you know, you, you might get uh, rotated squads on any given day, at least a change of a goalkeeper from city and Zach Steffen or something like that. Right. It's still a hard challenge when you get to a final, but it seemed realistic. And now, now uh, you know, 
that window of success closes and, and now it's second place in the Premier League and, and hopefully Europa League. And if that closes, then how do you come back and say second place only is successful? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to make this a full Manchester United podcast. Uh, <laughs> the last thing that I will say, though, is that, by the way, also the financial part of all this, uh, it, it needs to be reminded because if you're a Man United fan, remember, you are closing in on like 460 million pounds in debt. So like winning things are not just good for your cabinet. They're good for your bank. And, uh, you know, you got to make things count. Uh, anyway. Moving aside to Manchester United, well done Leicester City, uh, getting through the semifinals, and now you know, and you're in third place, and uh, you know, looking good for a Champions League spot as well, which is really commendable from Brendan Rodgers' side. And they'll be facing Southampton in the semis, uh, Heath Pierce. And on the other side, Chelsea against Man City. I'm sure Thomas Tuchel loves that, but that should be a good game, uh, regardless, right? Yeah, and on on that Chelsea game, it was good to see. Pulisic was doing things like we remembered him, right? He he may have not had his best game, but he was at least aggressive. He looked confident. He didn't look passive. He didn't look like he was trying to get the ball and figure out what to do. He looked like that Pulisic that we remembered when he was fit and healthy, not in his own head, where anytime he gets the ball, you go, oh man, he might do something with it, right? That first touch is forward. He's in and out of tight spaces. He's 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 extremely confident. And I think that's a that you know for us, uh, you know, for Chelsea fans and then US soccer fans, it's just a good to see him back and not in his head after an injury. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what better way to get your confidence than to play Sheffield United, I guess. But that's, <laughs> it was very good indeed. Anyway, there were two Premier League games. Let's talk about your Arsenal for a second. Uh, a good game for the neutral 100%. Wow. West Ham came to play, started so well. Jesse Lingard, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best signing of 2020, 2021, honestly. I know he's alone, but the things that he has done for this club, uh, you know, just since his arrival to West Ham, amazing. Uh, you know, helping West Ham go to a 3 nothing lead. And then, uh, like I said, got one back right before the break. And then Arteta gave him, you know, a good speech, I guess, at halftime because Arsenal came guns blazing. And Arsenal 3, West Ham 3, a really entertaining game. Who do you think is happier, Heath? Uh, Arsenal, for sure. Because now... West Ham with with the Spurs win puts West Ham in in jeopardy there, right? Brings the table closer. Uh, West Ham also, again, the first half of West Ham reminded me, uh, I think it was when they played City a few weeks back and I was just raving about West Ham style of play. They play like a top four team. Even on the broadcast at halftime, they're like, this is a top four style of play. This is, they look comfortable. They look good. They don't, they don't look like they're shaky. They have a, 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 that sort of incremental quality in every position that makes them feel like, oh man, they can beat anybody. But then they went back and looked at their results this year. They haven't beat anybody in the top five this season. Uh, I, I could be, I could be wrong on, on, on maybe one game, but, but from what I saw, they hadn't beat anybody except for Everton. I'm not sure where Everton are on the table, but they hadn't beat anybody. And, and so I was, I was kind of confused because when I watched them and I watched them again in the first half, I'm like, man, they look truly unbeatable. And then second half happens and Arsenal looked very good again. And it's a very inconsistent Arsenal. I won't, I won't harp on them too, too much just because I don't even know where to start. And I would have to start with like, let's talk about first half Arsenal. Let's talk about second half Arsenal. But they were in the second half showing signs of, of being more creative. Both teams actually looked unlocked and, and not so timid and not so defensive. Uh, I still think there is a, a stubbornness of, of uh, coming from Arsenal in terms of if you're going to be a play out of everything all the time type of team, you usually have to build a team around that and, and, and know that, yeah, you, if you're, if you're a, a man city or others, you might give up a goal once in a while, right? 
on a rare occasion. However, for the most part, you have good ticky-tocky technical players. And I'm not talking about the back four either, by the way. I'm talking about your, your midfield four that can solve problems on the dribble, are comfortable with players out their back, know how to get out of tight positions with a pass or, a mo- or movement or dribbling. There's just, you know, you stop one thing on a city and, and another thing emerges, right, with, with those types of players. And Arsenal don't necessarily have that with Partey and, 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 and Jaka and other players. When you get into the front attacking group, great, fantastic. In the final third, creative, free-flowing today, that was fantastic. But still playing out of the back, I'm like, this is terrifying. And, and it backfires more often than not with an Arsenal. Yeah, but, you know, uh, they did come back. Uh, and, you know, I did mention Jesse Lingard. I have to talk about Marion Odegaard. I thought it was his best game for Arsenal. He was fantastic. And, you know, it, again, it's just like, Zidane, you really didn't see anything in this kid. He was he's so good. Such a good player. Moving the chains, helping along Arsenal get that valuable point. By the way, uh, you know, and th- you talked about the table briefly. It does help Arsenal. They're in ninth. Um, you know, and West Ham in fifth, not that far behind Chelsea, but Chelsea, the way they're looking right now, that they're, they're pretty far ahead. But it was, I would say that both managers would be, yeah, I would say that Arteta would probably be the happiest just because of the way that they started, right? Uh, if I say West Ham came to play, Arsenal woke up at halftime and it, it was a good, it was a good kind of victory because normally, especially Earlier, either this season, even last season, you probably wouldn't have seen that from Arsenal. They probably just kept, you know, just falling and falling and falling, but that didn't happen. So, you know, a a good point all around. Yeah, Arsenal, it was a good bounce back from them uh, today for sure. And again, there was a couple own goals and, and, and normally when you see the own goals, oh yeah, it's a boring game, you know, crappy defending or whatever. But like the Chambers cross was one. Yeah, like they're, they're, they're dangerous situations. And then you go to, um, uh, um, I'm blanking on his name that had the assist to Lacazette's header. Um, Chambers? Uh, no, no, Pepe. Um, oh, Nicolas Pepe. Yeah, 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 sorry, I'm blanking now. I'm a PSG You're fan. Blanking on your own team, you. Yeah. PSG well, I'm a PSG fraud. fan, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know the ball he put in, and it, it was just a magical one that made makes the game look so easy. But those are the types of things that you're like, man, such an exciting attacking team. But who knows what we'll get. Uh, again next week but overall in terms of entertainment as a neutral um, as a PSG fan as a neutral <laughs> to this game it was fantastic uh, a super entertaining game West Ham have the ability to put on one of the most entertaining games uh, for better or for worse on on their team um, but again when I look at the table and the effect it has on not coming out with three points which I believe they should have they had a few chances to go uh, you know four two before it went three three uh, to, to close the game off Mikel Antonio had uh, hit the bar um, or hit the post. And there was a couple of clear chances. They should have seen that out probably and gotten those three points. And, and that could have been a, a, a game changer in terms of, uh, you know, their comfort in the table. Yeah. And, you know, again, just the last thing about the table, when you look at it, it's very tight. When you look at fifth to 10th, fifth being West Ham, 10th being Aston Villa, uh, that's an eight point difference. So it's very, very tight and plenty more games to come, especially after the international break. So, yeah, so I'll finish up with that one as Tottenham needed a good win after that disastrous loss in the Europa League. Mourinho's worst game, I think. And they got it. Uh, they beat Aston Villa 2-0. Goals from uh, Carlos Vinicius, a penalty from Harry Kane, helping Tottenham, as you mentioned, jump to sixth. So, you know, they're not far off now as well. And, to be honest with you, if we say Champions League is important for some teams, boy, oh boy, is it important for Tottenham. 
it's part of, I believe it's part of the agreement of Mourinho being there in the first place that they need to secure Champions League uh, qualification for next season. So this helps. Two nothing against uh, Aston Villa. Yeah, the first half, by the way, it, it seemed more of a gift than anything that Spurs goal, right? It, it, it was definitely a gift. Um, and I don't think Spurs were that great in the first half, but second half better, you know, obviously... I know that you're a little bit deeper into what your thoughts are, but would would love to get your thoughts on on just sort of where Villa's at, and and then also where Mourinho is, right? Like, yeah, they come off a disastrous week, but it still wasn't super convincing. You know, a win is a win for sure, and you take it and you keep on moving. And Mourinho's never been one to be like, I need to play pretty and win. Uh, but yeah, certainly, you know, secured the W. Yeah, I mean, and they need it because they, they still have to play Manchester United. They still have to play Ever- Everton as well, who's going to be a tough game, of course. Leeds United won't be easy. Villa again, because by the way, that was our first game against Tottenham the whole season. That's the first time we saw them. Um, Leicester City, they wrap up the season with that. So there's still some time. And they have a League Cup, by the way, against Manchester City. So games are coming. Listen, the only thing I'll say about Villa is that it was, you know, Zero wins in March now. Jack Grealish has been absent once again. Uh, D- Dean Smith did say that it was up to him, which was kind of weird to say, I think, uh, because I think if whether were, if it was up to Jack Grealish, he would have played. But uh, it's a shin injury, but I think he will be back definitely after the international break. I think this international break is going to help Villa. L- this, listen, w- I think that we've been overachieving this season a little bit, and I think a top half finish is actually a fantastic goal given from the fact that we like escaped relegation by the skin of our teeth last season, I think Europa League spot, we're not there yet, yet. Right. Uh, and, and without Jack Grealish, zero wins, I think says one part of the story, but the other one is I think we're limited creatively because we can't just completely rely always on just Ollie Watkins up front pressing like crazy. There needs to be more multidimensional creativity. And I think hopefully Dean Smith will get that back at the break. But like I said, Aston Villa 10th, they have a game, in hand over a few teams, including Arsenal, who's just above them. So to me, that's a good season. It's it's step by step, I think. Uh, the worrying, most worrying thing will be, you know, if we don't get a Europa League spot, what does that mean for Jack Grealish's own objectives? We don't need the money. That's for damn sure. Like, so if you want to pay for Jack Grealish, you're going to have to pay like 100 million pounds. No joke. Because we're not dying to sell. We don't need the money. Right. So that's one advantage. But regardless, what's his, what's his current wage, by the way? It, like, it, it, I mean, if, if there was like a let's double down on him, is is there a way to, to keep him on a, on an outrageous wage? I mean, I'm sure that, um, you know, I mean, you're looking at about one hundred and twenty thousand pounds a week. Like that's what his current salary is. And I'm sure like somebody the, the actual fee to pay for him will have to be in the region of around one hundred million. Right. Uh, to get him. And my point is Aston Villa owned uh, partly owned by Wes Edens from the Milwaukee Bucks and Narissa uh, 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 Sawiris. Uh, they don't need to sell uh, Jack Grealish. That, you know, there was a time when they were desperate, but this is not the time right now. So the ball essentially is in Aston Villa's hand. But having said all that, it also depends on where we end in the table. Um, all right, so that was the Premier League FA Cup England. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Heath's PSG. And, uh, you know, you talked about Pulisic, a great game and a great day for another American in Serginio Dest and Barcelona. Que golazo. Weekend recap. We'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, it's literally madness time in the sports world with the NCAA tournament in full swing, but you're diehard sports fans, which means you want to stay in the know with all sports. And that's where CBS Sports HQ is your streaming answer. Just think about what's on tap this week alone. MLB spring training, the NBA trade deadline, UFC 260, NFL free agency fallout and draft coverage, golf picks, the U.S. men's national team. We could go on and on, but you get it. Sports never sleeps and neither does CBS Sports HQ. It's available on your computer, your phone via the CBS Sports app, and your connected TV. Leave it on all day, guys. And if you live and breathe sports, I'd encourage you to just keep watching and watching and watching. CBS Sports HQ, make sure that you watch every single day. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Que golazo weekend recap. Uh, Heath Pierce in the house. We just talked England. Let's talk a little bit of Spain now. La Liga, Heath Pierce. Atletico Madrid uh, got their win just today, by the way. Just. Uh, I don't know if you saw the game, but it was a tight one, as it always is, with Atleti against Alaves. It was just one nothing. Luis Suarez got his 500 goal, I believe. Kieran Trippier crossed, but Oblak saved a penalty in the dying moments of that game. And I'm telling you, if they hold on to this title and they win it, they're going to have to look back at that uh, because that was a momentous part of it. And then Real Madrid obviously won on Saturday. And Barcelona, Heath Pierce, and your Serginio Dest, he was fantastic. Absolutely amazing. We're literally taping as the game's over. It's 6-1. Serginio Des gets a brace. Messi, with the most appearances for the club, 7-6-8, passing Xavi today. He gets a brace. Dembele gets one. Griezmann opened the scoring uh, against Real Sociedad. 6-1. Quite a, you know, uh, a statement from Barcelona, but really good to see Serginio Des get I mean, and aside from the goals, he was great. He was really, really good. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the thing about the way that Barcelona are currently playing is it's it, they've put Mingueza at a right center back in a back three with Serginho Dest now playing higher. Serginho Dest is not a good defender. Uh, I said it, I had a few hot takes. His debut with the national team was was he got eaten alive at, in a couple of moments. And you're like, hey, man, this is a kid who just literally played one season at Ajax. He, he didn't exist before his one season at Ajax. He was in Ajax youth, wasn't playing in the first team. He's still young, right? Um, and you only hope that a guy like this gets to skip the steps and go to a place like Barcelona, where they tr traditionally have possession of the ball, right? Where it puts him in the best positions. Uh, 
And now he struggled a bit defensively because Barcelona were a little bit shaky this year. Now he's playing higher up the field in an attack, more attacking position, a wingback position where he's still in transition. He's still having to defend, but he's not the last line of defense, right? He's not having to be in that position. So that aside is allowing him to get into higher positions where he's dirty. on. I don't know if you saw a, a moment where he had where he dragged two defenders in today yeah. and then split them on like a little Cruyff turn. And it was, it was awful uh, for those guys. Uh, but yeah, look, selfishly as a fan, by the way, he made it, uh, I think it was 3-0 uh, at that time, or maybe it was 3-1. And I was like, oh, see, a brace from an American. Yeah. A brace from an American at 3-0, respectable. But now that it's 6-1, everyone's going to be like, yeah, but everybody scores, you know. <laughs> here's my here's my other take. Sociedad are in fifth place, you know. Sociedad are not the first place Sociedad we saw earlier in the year. Um, but, yeah, it, it, a, a huge win, and, and it's good to see. Uh, actually, a, a, a somewhat decent weekend uh, for Americans abroad. Yeah. Now, listen, uh, an American getting a brace for Barcelona. That's pretty ridiculous. I think First that- ever brace, by the way, for an American in La Liga. Yeah. Listen, I go crazy when uh, Renato Tapia, the Peruvian, like, you know, plays all 90 minutes for Celta Vigo. Like, it's you know, this is good. You, you should be celebrating it. It's good. And it ends 6-1, by the way. Uh, but that means, uh, everybody, that La Liga basically as is. We got Atletico Madrid, 66 points, Barcelona, uh, 62 points with that win, Real Madrid 60, and Sevilla 55. And as you mentioned, uh, Real Sociedad in fifth with 45 points. So it's as is. So it's going to be tricky. But, you know, Atleti has a four-point lead. And something that Jimmy and I said, Heath, and I'm sure you agree, is that getting kicked out of the Champions League, I think, is going to help them. Because now, just like Inter Milan, all they got to do is focus on the league. Yeah, and especially getting a win after getting ch- kicked out of the Champions League, right? Like, like I was saying earlier in 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 the, in the show, the people go, "Oh yeah, you know, you're out. You only have to focus on one thing." That's devastating for the player, right? The, the player doesn't go, "Oh yeah, finally, now we can just focus on the one thing we want." They go, "No, we want to win Champions League." I don't think their odds were ever high of winning Champions League. So then being out and then bouncing back with a win you know, allows time to heal a little bit, get over that, and also know that you're trekking towards, like it kind of resets those goals a little bit of saying, okay, I on the next prize. This is now, you know, that's not in our control anymore. This is in our control. And it's funny because Trippier, who we expected uh, to be a huge contributor to keep them in the Champions League, and Luis Suarez, we expected them uh, in, in the second leg to be the contributor, the one who was going to deliver them, uh, both showed up uh, this weekend to give them the 1-0 uh, one nil win. And, and now it, it's super, it's super, super tight. And four points is, is not, it's really not much. I think there's like eight games left in the league. Uh, that's a lot of points uh, to hold on every single week uh, from here to the rest of the year. But if anyone can do it, I, you know, it, it would be on a year like this, it would be an Atletico Madrid. And I tell you what, there's some great games coming up in La Liga as well in sandwich in between the champions league for Real Madrid, when they face uh, Liverpool is El Clasico. And then, uh, May 9th, I think, is when Atletico Madrid face Barcelona. That's just like, you know, that's a gigantic game. And if something already hasn't happened before that, major implications. So a lot to watch out for in Spain. All right, Heath, quickly tell me about the Bundesliga. I didn't watch anything. I saw a hat trick from Lewandowski, Haaland getting uh, angry, which can be very scary. Uh, what else happened? What, what's going on in the Bundesliga? Yeah, so Lewandowski is now has to score five in his last eight games in the Bundesliga to tie the goal record. So he's got eight games to score five. He had a hat trick in the first half. 
he's in a fantastic run of form. He doesn't want to talk about the record. I wouldn't either. Uh, not that I would ever know what that's like to be chasing a record, but he's kind of just like, oh, you know, business as usual. Um, and then obviously RB Leipzig get a result. I think they played on Friday and another one nil. They're just grinding and grinding, but they're still, I think, four points uh, off of first from Bayern and forcing Bayern to really have to put out performances uh, because a single loss and a win puts them one point again. This is Bayern's to lose. It would be their ninth straight. I think they're they're very, very comfortable and confident. Um, but yeah, just a fantastic uh, weekend. Leverkusen obviously uh, dropped points uh, again, which I, I is a little bit surprising for me. And then uh, Frankfurt play, play against uh, Dortmund again soon. And so the thought that I was having over the weekend with Holland, who scored at the beginning and scored in the 90th to draw, right, is the amount of times that... Dortmund, who are in the final eight of Champions League, right? We're talking about Borussia Dortmund, final eight of the Champions League, have needed him to save a game, whether a draw to avoid a loss or to get a, uh, uh, all three points when, when, when they're on the draw of just how important he is. You know, you talk about Grealish and, and just his importance to the team and his own personal goals. Like, if you're Holland, you're going like, I am literally alone. Gio Reyna was subbed out early because they were down again, and he just can't seem to really find a rhythm in the team right now. But overall, he is literally carrying this team by himself. And I know that's expected of a striker, but what he is doing in terms of points and in big moments and big situations, 90th minute, he goes on, he's after, he throws his shirt, he's really pissed off, storms straight into the locker room. Uh, and there was all like, you know, of course, that's where the internet goes crazy, right? Uh, and apparently, you know, he's obviously just frustrated. You want He wants to win games. He, is a, he has that killer that. mindset. I absolutely love that. That's exactly what you want from somebody like that. He's not happy with a draw. He wants to win every yeah. single time. That is the essence of a champion. And the fact that he's 20 years old and he's got that kind of like, I'm not happy with you all. Like you said, I have to save you once again. Like, that's good. If you're a Borussia Dortmund fan, you should be so happy at that. To but see the other, yeah, and the other thing about this is Dortmund are now, uh, I don't know if you have the table in front of you of where they're at in the league, but they, they're there. I, I think they're in fifth. Um fifth or sixth and in the remaining matches they've got uh frankfurt five they're in fifth okay they've got frankfurt in their next match after the international break right frankfurt were crushing this weekend too i think they won five one or six one or something like that then uh they play city in the champions league and then they have a cup semifinal against holstein kiel i believe it is and then they have leipzig and leverkusen in two of their last three matches of the season there is no easy easy road for Dortmund right now with champions league with the cup semifinal and then finishing in the league in the champion to finish in a champions league spot. It is going to be a very difficult run to the end of the year. And it, it, you know, of all people of all teams in Europe that I expect to get to Europe that might not between them and Liverpool, I'm starting to look at, at Dortmund and say, I don't know if they're going to have it in them because you, because again, you go back, they, they didn't, it was against Cologne. You know, it wasn't against a, a big team this week. Okay, that's no disrespect to Cologne fans. It's a huge club, great fan base, whatever. But they should beat them. And when you look at their schedule, I'm just giving you the big teams, not to mention the teams that they continue to struggle with, middle-of-the-table teams in, in the Bundesliga. I'm just worried about where they finish this year and then what happens to a club the size of Dortmund if they're not in Europe at all. Yeah, and this is probably why Norway uh, might not even get Erling Haaland because Borussia Dortmund doesn't really want to let them go. Uh, for the World Cup qualifier against uh, Gibraltar. Uh, so, you know, uh, stay tuned with that one. But a very good point. Borussia Dortmund still has a mountain to climb uh, in many different objectives, which is why Haaland's not happy, man. Wants to take this wins. 
He wants to win. Just pure and simple. Um, all right. Let's talk. Uh, I, I want to finish with PSG. So let, let's just quickly, briefly recap everybody on Serie A. Uh, Heath, I got you if you haven't seen much of it, but um, Atalanta winning against Verona, 2 nothing. We had uh, Lazio winning against Udinese, 1 nothing. Napoli beat Roma, uh, 2 nothing. Milan, thanks to Slatan, beat Fiorentina. So, you know, they cured their Europa League hangover there. Juventus, everybody, lost 1 nothing to Benevento. So that basically means bye bye Serie A, bye bye. Scudetto. I just think it's too difficult now uh, for anything, but it was one nothing. A very pitiful performance, to be perfectly honest. And I'm trying to look at uh, Inter's result here, but actually, let Inter, me. Get- Inter got postponed because of uh, four uh, players tested positive for COVID. And it's actually a controversy um, there because they were saying, you know, some teams were forced to play without those players. Other teams got to reschedule and they're saying like, oh, big teams get favored and whatever. Inter Milan, they want them to win the league. And that's why they got this postponed versus having to play without uh, four key players uh, in the team. And so there's a little bit of uh, a controversy ar- around that one. But by the way, you know, you know who scored against uh, AC Milan this weekend? Who's that? Frank Ribéry. Yeah, he did. I didn't think I'd say that. I didn't think I'd say that again in, in a conversation. But, uh, you know, him and I, by the way, played our first Bundesliga uh, game against each other. Fun fact. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Please and tell I've me. Been, I've been retired for six years, and he still continues to, you know, <laughs> chug along. We, had, we went different ways. You know, we had different career paths, you know. Dude, listen, you needed to be a PSG fan and, and join us, and, and Ribery needed to just keep going. Uh, exactly. But that's amazing. I love that. Well, you know, that's intriguing because obviously there was the Napoli-Juventus situation earlier in the season as well in terms of the coronavirus and things like that. So that's, you know, but with that anyway, Inter remained top with a game in hand now, 65 points. Milan, uh, 59 points. So there's still a little bit of a window. And Juventus, who also still have that game in hand over Milan, but still though, because of that loss, they're on 55 points. And that's even with Atalanta. So now a Champions League spot remains interesting, Heath Pierce. Because Napoli have 53, Roma 50 on in sixth place. So Juventus, you know, and I said it all along, I think the Andrea Pirlo project was a mistake. They're not going to fire him, but it was just, you know, but it's not just him. There was just so many issues. And the fact that you lost to Benevento, everybody, Benevento in 16th place is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and again, when I watch some of this game, Ronaldo is trying to be younger than he is. He's turned into this player on a mission, which is fun to watch because he's doing all his step overs again, trying to beat everybody by himself, but he's not that player anymore. He doesn't have the legs. He doesn't have the speed. He needs to be set up like we've talked about. He needs to be put in good spots. He needs to have other players carry weight to free up space for him. Um, and he was trying to do a lot. And and Juventus had plenty of chances. Uh, Benevento scored off of a, a bad back pass from Artur that just literally put the guy... Um, almost on a breakaway, but he took a touch. They were able to recover and he hit it and scored. And so, yeah, it's tough. And then AC Milan were also down 2-1. And so there isn't anybody really convincing outside of Inter Milan. You can tell by the scoreline. I went back there. I thought, oh, oh man, I wonder what Inter did this weekend and obviously saw that it got postponed. And then and then was thinking about AC Milan. I was like, oh, wow, this win must mean a lot. They must be close. And I'm like, no, it's not that close. I think it's like seven points still with a game in hand or six points with a game in hand. And and uh, and Inter are still sitting on top. And now Juventus continue to, you know, we talk about, 
oh, now they only have one thing to focus on, right? I think maybe they're still in the, in the, in the cup, but you know, now they're out of Europe. It doesn't matter. Now they can really focus. And, and then you look at them, you're like, no, nah, it's not always that. It's not always too many competitions. It's not always, you know, just like one thing to focus on, nothing else. It's, it's form, it's quality, it's fatigue. There's so many things that go into it. And, and for a player like Ronaldo, he's, he will never think like, oh, finally, just, just the league to focus on now that you're whatever, nine points back in the league, he wants to win everything all the time. That's why he has a, a you know, a closet full of trophies. Yeah, absolutely right. All right. Uh, let's finish up everybody uh, with Liga because PSG and Lyon, a tremendous game, but PSG won 4-2 Heath Pierce, Kylian Mbappé with a brace, Pereira got a goal, Angel Di Maria got a goal, meaning that that big win has PSG now top of the table, 63 points, even with Lille, but they have a ridiculous goal difference. It's 46 um, to Lille's 31. Lyon stays in third or is third with 60 points. Uh, so a very good week all around, uh, or just a couple of weeks for Mauricio Pochettino and PSG. They didn't, let me just check here, but Neymar didn't start, obviously, because he's coming back from injury. And Neymar did feature. So, you know, he got some minutes under him. Uh, Moise Kane as well, after recovering from coronavirus. That's good. So now they go into the international break, top of the table. That's just going to be great news for everybody uh, at Paris Saint-Germain, your lifelong boyhood club. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ever since, ever since I got a free sweatshirt from uh, the Jordan brand, I was like, well, you know, that's all it takes to win, win my loyalty for life and sovereign funds, obviously. Uh, but... Yeah, it's Kylian Mbappe, 100 goals, 22 years old, 100 goals in the league, which is insane. That's ridiculous. Uh, and, and also, it's games like these against the Lyon who, who have been a title challenger for all of this season that you go, is PSG actually better without a Neymar? Uh, I know they're not, but a Kylian Mbappe comes to life when it's his team. When he knows he's got to carry things, he comes to life and he delivers. And and on this run, they've now, yeah, they've been getting results all season long and they drop points here and there and whatever. It's a pretty average season overall for PSG. But now the top of the table, Kylian Mbappe, um, what was the hat trick today, was it? Or a brace? A brace, a brace, a brace yeah. yeah. And, and he's just capable of, of, of carrying a team himself because of the way that he plays. In the way that we've, we look at a Holland or another, I know he's not a traditional nine, but... He has nine like qualities to stretch the defense. If you watch one of his one of his goals, they literally hit a long ball from the half line, and he sprints untouched the entire way to the goal just to finish it. And you're like, you can't really co- you can't coach against that, other than the fact that yeah, you should never give like somebody should have a hand on him at all times. But he runs untouched all the way on a breakaway from the half line to score one of his goals. It's pretty ridiculous. But then you look at Neymar, and I, I'm I'm talking more of like holistically about Neymar, right? You can't question his quality or you know whether he's world class or not but he's got injury issues all the time he brings a lot of good and bad attention to the club a lot of attention no matter what right he raises the he he elevates the 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 clout of the club for sure but all that comes with that what is the final product in terms of money you have to spend the the benefits you get out of that is the club you know uh, of course they're going to say well we want to win champions league right um and now they've got him back but is is you know, it's, I'm just throwing that out there. Doesn't not that there's an answer, but like Mbappe is always better when, when he gets more of the attention and spotlight where he's got to deliver. Yeah. 
I think my only thing about this, and I've been thinking about this a lot, is I mean, well, first of all, you know, you make a point, you know, for those that maybe, what are you talking about, whatever. Well, you know, they beat Barcelona in the Champions League without Neymar, right? It's a, I think the it's it's more, it's less is. Are they better without Neymar or do players like Kylian Mbappé have more options because Neymar's not there? Mbappé is more free to do what he does best, which is literally what you just said. He likes to switch sides sometimes. Maybe you'll find him, especially on the counter and literally the halfway line, and he will just go. He doesn't need anybody else, right? So sometimes when you have Neymar there too, right, it becomes a little claustrophobic. Because yeah. then Mbappe is a little bit more restricted of what he can do. He's normally more wide with Neymar's there, right? So I don't even think it's Neymar's fault. It's just more about the squad and the buildup of it and what that represents. So yeah. sometimes I think, well, what's a good comparison? Well, Bayern Munich, right? We always talk about Robert Lewandowski. Lewandowski is the star of that team. But what's important about that is that his role is very specific, and nobody else really needs anything aside from that appointment. Everything else, Joshua Kimmich and, you know, Thiago Alcantara when he was there, et cetera. Like, they all know they're Leroy Sané now. Everybody has a Rolls Royce with Neymar and Mbappé. You know, yes, one can play one wing, one can play the other one, but it restricts Mbappé. It restricts yeah. him. So, you know, that's that's food for thought. But we'll yeah. see. I mean, you know, he, I'm, I love Neymar. Like, I love I love watching him play. I think it's great to have him in the PSG team. But, you know, what's going to happen in this Bayern Munich Champions League game? That's going to be really intriguing, especially when he's fit. Yeah. And, and again, I, I'm glad that you you clarified that for for the, the, the Neymar or the PSG fan. Any team that Neymar is on is going to be better with Neymar. He is a world-class player. He's one of the best players in the world at all times. But when you look at... Again, I'm talking about just pure ROI in terms of what you paid for him, what you get out of him, the amount of matches that he plays, the trophies that you're going to win. Right. Can no, you get can you get more yeah. for less? When and I, my comparison is Griezmann when he went to Barca. Everybody on the field when he was at when he was at uh, Atletico, when you get the ball, you find Griezmann, right? And now you're going to a club where when you get the ball, you give it to Messi. That's the first person you look to, and Griezmann's movements, his runs, and everything like that are secondary or ter- tertiary. To, to the overall goals of the team and the structure of the team. And that can be hard to fit into, right? And the same thing with Neymar's on the field. Neymar is your first option. He is the star of your team. Mbappe, though he is world-class and only 22 and has won just about everything already, is again, he has to play a different role. They still look to him, but he's not the guy. Now he gets on the field, he goes where he wants, he drifts where he wants, and it's team's job to transition and cover and shift for him to allow your best playmaker to put himself in the best position to be to be impactful. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And uh, it's gonna, this summer is going to be very interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. Uh, but that's it, everybody. That's our weekend recap. Once again, you can't complain. We gave you so much from yours truly and PSG lifelong fan Heath Pierce. Hey, Heath, any final thoughts before we say, because by the way, everybody, you're going to see uh, and hear a lot more from Heath this week because we're going to go... USMNT heavy here. We got the Olympics. We got uh, a friendly, well, two friendlies, but the first one against Jamaica, uh, you know, as international break uh, is now an international window. But any final thoughts? Because uh, we're going to see you soon as well this week. 
Yeah, my final thoughts are actually a tee-up to those days that the U.S. better qualify. For anybody that doesn't know, they failed to qualify in the last two Olympics, and the team that they put out against Costa Rica was a very old-school-looking American-style national team where it's probably fifth-string everyone of who is Olympic-eligible, and I'm terrified that we aren't going to get through it. Fortunately, got the result there. Have to get one against Mexico uh, this week as well. But, yeah, that's, that's my closing thoughts is they better not blow it. Yeah, well, and Mexico is going to be, you know, arguably the, the first real test for, for this young team in Jason Christ. Uh, Heath Pierce, always a pleasure, my man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody. I want to thank Heath Pierce for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Que Golazo Pod. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube.com forward slash Gegolasso. We're on CBSports.com as well. Please follow us, leave a comment, and tweet us your questions, comments, as we have so much more to come, including all the previews for the USMNT Olympic qualifiers, as well as the seniors team friendly against Jamaica. We got weekend preview for international games as well, and some special interviews. Thank you so much for the support, and have a great beginning to your week. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.